Welcome to another edition of the Sports Rotation. As always, I am your host, Jay Butler. Thank you for being in the rotation with me. Uh, remember, you can check me out on Google Play Music. Just go ahead and type in the Sports Rotation. You can also visit the thesportsrotation.squarespace.com. And shortly, you'll be able to hear me in iTunes as well. I got a lot of stuff going on. But not as much stuff as what's going on in the NBA right now. Finally, finally, as the song was saying before, we are marching on. But really, what in the world was the holdup? What were y'all waiting for? You know, it's funny. I'm a teacher, so I deal with little children, obviously. Well, I teach at an elementary school, so you probably didn't know I deal with little children. But I'm dealing with young minds. And often those young minds really can't get out of their own way. They really can't see things that are beyond them. They're so caught up in the, in the now that they're, they're not really fully aware of what's going on around them. Not fully aware of their surroundings. And that leads me to uh, what's going on with the Celtics and the Cavaliers. Because like these children, I'm wondering, are you guys aware of your surroundings? Are you fully uh, cognizant of anything that's going on? I mean, when I'm dealing with kids, often they'll fight over who's going to be first in line. Even though we're going to the same place. They'll pick fights with each other. On a Friday of all days. And we live in South Florida. So you know the weather is is more than likely is going to be 76 degrees, 78 degrees. Beautiful weather outside. It's almost September. But I guarantee you at the school that I'm at. Going to have some idiot children. Who can't get out of their own way. Because they're so caught up in dealing with their own particular emotions that they are totally oblivious to the surroundings. Totally unaware. And it's got me wondering, are the Cavaliers and the Celtics just totally unaware of how ridiculous they look? In case you haven't heard, the trade sending Kyrie Irving to Boston along with Isaiah Thomas to the Cavaliers has finally been been um, finalized, I should say, for lack of better words. It's 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 done. It's a done deal. The hang up what Cleveland was waiting for the most a second round twenty twenty draft pick via the Miami Heat. That was the holdup. That is what we were waiting two weeks for. That is what was holding up the entire sports world, wondering if this trade was actually going to happen. A second round draft pick. I'd love to see 
the first round draft pick of the Cleveland Cavaliers that has worked out in the past, oh, I don't know, six years? But uh, their second round draft pick, that's what they were holding out for. That was the big hang up to make this deal get done. I mean, are you aware of just how ridiculous you look? But honestly, what this really shows is the power of LeBron James. And I'm not just saying this just to say it, just to get people to listen because I'm mentioning LeBron James. No, this is LeBron James um, all the way. Because LeBron James knows this trade that happened had to happen for Cleveland just as much as it had to happen for Boston. People are saying that, oh, Isaiah Thomas, how can you bring him back now? How are you going to smooth over those feelings? Isaiah Thomas isn't a superstar. He's looking to get paid. As long as you gave that man a paycheck, he's going to go out and ball. Yes, feelings might have gotten hurt. But Isaiah Thomas wasn't planning on going anywhere in the first place. He loved Boston. All he wanted was his money. Because the man had been underpaid for a, a while, for a minute. And looking at guys like Otto Porter get a max contract, and you're working off of $6 million a year, or well, in your final year, no, that wasn't sitting well with him. Even coming off of the, the hip injury. Worth well more than what he's making right now. Pennies on the dollar. But there was no way that Kyrie Irving was going to be going back to Cleveland for anything. He had already expressed to management, look, I do not want to play for this team. I do not want to play with the best player on the planet. Who's soon going to be the second best player on the planet. With Kevin Durant now being in Golden State. But he had already expressed that to them. And I'm sure this wasn't the first time that Kyrie has brought this up to management. Saying I can't really deal with playing with LeBron James. I don't know what the underlining uh, relationship between those two was. But I guarantee you, this first this summer, that no, this wasn't the first time that Kyrie Irving was thinking, you know what, I got to get out of here before LeBron gets out of here. Because there's no way that I'm going to stay uh, tied to this team. But this deal had to get done. LeBron James's massive ego was not going to have someone playing on his team who did not want to play on his team. I don't know why this got public as early as it did, because we're talking about, what, really, uh, mid, late, late June, early July, when this story first came out. I don't know why it was coming out so as early as it was, but we saw the, the, uh, the state of flux that the Cleveland Cavaliers management was in. But this trade had to happen. But honestly, sitting back, just like I looked at my students when they're doing the stupid things that they're doing, I don't see how any of these trades really make either team better. Now, I talked about peace of mind in my last podcast. 
peace of mind is priceless. Not having to dealing deal with disgruntled players on your team, and believe me, uh, having disgruntled players on your team can be a major issue, especially in an NBA locker room. You're not talking about an NFL locker room where guys can can have their own cliques. You're talking about fifty some odd guys um, uh, who can who can go off into separate corners of the locker room. No, you're talking about twelve individuals. Really, you're talking about maybe six or seven uh, guys who are going to be in a in a rotation and breaking it down fully you're talking about three or four guys that just really matter so there's no way that Kyrie Irving could take how he was feeling about playing with LeBron James and going back into that locker room going through um, through camp going through trainings with LeBron. There, there was no way that that was going to happen. Isaiah Thomas, I mean, you could have smoothed that over by just paying the man, and he would have been fine. But there was absolutely no way. But just sitting back and looking back at this trade, I'm just wondering, that the, the holdup was a second-round draft pick? Are you kidding me? But I don't see, like, really, how does this trade make Cleveland any better, or in any better of a position to take on Golden State? I would say the trade makes them worse. Because even as as much as Kyrie Irving had some defensive problems, Isaiah, you're not getting any better with Isaiah Thomas. Both of them are closers, but who is going to make up for Isaiah Thomas's lack of height and lack of defensive awareness. One of the, the worst defensive players in the league. Who's going to make up for that? Iman Shumpert wants out. Pretty soon Tristan Thompson will probably want out. J.R. Smith. But who's going to make up for that? When I was looking, when everybody was looking at Cleveland playing the, the, um, the Warriors in the last year's playoff, Bottom line is they couldn't guard anybody, couldn't stop, couldn't get stops. You telling me that Jay Crowder and LeBron James, who was always saving it for playoff times, you telling me that that's going to hold up throughout the year? And flipping over to Boston, I don't understand your lineup. You telling me that you're going to take a lineup of Kyrie Irving now? Marcus Smart is supposed to take over for Avery Bradley's position. Gordon Hayward, Horford, you're still undersized at the center position. Horford still isn't, even though he's being paid max money, you're still looking at a 15 and 8 guy, 15 and 7, really, 15 and 8 might be stretching it. And all of a sudden, Gordon Hayward is supposed to turn into to some mega talent because he's getting paid like a mega talent? What I really don't understand is. Boston, you had a chance to get Jimmy and Gordon Hayward. And you could still have Isaiah Thomas. Now, if you're telling me that Kyrie is light years better than Isaiah Thomas, I don't think so. But you're telling me that you had a chance to get Jimmy Butler. I have absolutely no idea why you don't make that trade. You lost Avery Bradley. And looking at what you gave up for... 
just to get I to uh, trade away Isaiah Thomas, Ante Zizek, the Nets first round draft pick. We already talked about that Nets first round draft pick. That draft pick is not going to be as worthwhile as what people think. I don't think people are really looking at what the Nets are trying to do. The Nets aren't trying to be bad next year. The Nets are trying to be a playoff team. That's not going to be a top five draft pick. No. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you that right now. The Nets draft pick is not going to be a top five draft pick. And if you're not drafting in the top five, Drafting in the top 10 might seem like something, but if you're not drafting in the top 5, your chances of getting a top-tier uh, talent drop dramatically, especially if you don't know what you're doing. And as we can see from the draft picks that Cleveland has done the past few years, really don't know what they're doing. But I don't understand that at all, a second-round draft pick. Why don't you just say, oh, oh, we wanted a cup of coffee or something like that. Second round draft pick via the Miami Heat. Miami Heat aren't going to be bad either. So this was the holdup? The only thing that this is telling me is that you're all in on Jason Tatum, which I, I kind of get. But if you're looking to maximize Kyrie Irving, veteran been in the league for six years now. You're looking to maximize Gordon Hayward, veteran, been in the league for about seven, eight years now. Horford, who's 30. How is Jason Tatum going to get you to the next level? That's my question. And you lose your top wing defender in Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley was one of the reasons why Jimmy Butler didn't have a good series when the Bulls played against the Celtics. When the Bulls, when the Bulls had a 2-0 lead. And likely, if Rajon Rondo is healthy, we might not even be talking about the Celtics advancing in the playoffs. Second round draft pick. I don't believe that that was the big hang-up. But here we are, marching on. So anyway, it was interesting uh, looking at a lot of people talking about this Matthew Stafford um, contract. I, I've never understood people getting caught up in the price that another team is willing to play to pay for a player when that team isn't really that good. When you're not very good as a team... I think if you can identify any talent on your team, you do what you can to lock that talent up. And that's what they did. They stabilized their organization. They're working towards stabilize. They were working towards stabilizing their organization as they moved out of the Calvin Johnson era. But people were hating on this Stafford uh, contract saying, well, what is what has he really done? And if, if you do look at his record against teams that are above 500, it's not a very good record. But I've never put a lot of stock into a quarterback's um, winning winning record, 
especially given the fact that the NFL is the ultimate team sport. I mean, I really don't know what you expect to for um, Stafford to do with the team that was surrounding him. You had some, you had Calvin Johnson, and yeah, I, I understood that he put up some gaudy numbers with Calvin Johnson. He even had a five or well, over five thousand yards passing year with with Calvin Johnson. But if you look at the totality of the team, who who is stopping anybody? And Dominican Sue did not live up to the hype that he that he had coming out of college. Who is your coach? Other than Jim Caldwell, the coach that I'm thinking of the most, who was Jim Schwartz, who was an ultimate disaster when he was in Detroit. Just terrible. Great defensive coach. Great defensive coordinator. Terrible head coach. And I'm looking at the fact that you have Stafford. He's 29 years old. On the open market, you can guarantee that a team like Cleveland, a team like um, San Francisco would definitely throw some money at him. I'm looking at the fact that talent-wise, he has a whole lot better arm, a lot better talent than um, than uh, the quarterback out of Atlanta, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, as far as I'm concerned, can be put on ice given that display that he did in the Super Bowl. I don't know what they were thinking with that. But he has just... Well, not just as much. He has a lot more talent than than Matt Ryan. So you have a 29-year-old quarterback, cannon of an arm, who has shown statistically that he can be a top 10 quarterback. He was even having an MVP year before he went down with his finger injury. And it was interesting. I was reading an article on ESPN, and I don't like to give a lot of credit to ESPN, but they had an interesting statistic where they said that Stafford had a better statistic last season than Russell Wilson, Eli Manning, Cam Newton, Derek Carr, and Jameis Winston. And if you look at uh, two of those teams, I'm looking at the Seattle Seahawks, I'm looking at the Carolina Panthers, I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, were able to... Um, at least have some kind of balance with their offense, at least have a semblance of a running game. Detroit ranked dead last in the NFL in rushing yards. Let me repeat that again. Dead last. Offensive line. One of the worst offensive lines in all of the NFL. And yes, statistically... Stafford had one of his better seasons. It's interesting enough, as much as we don't credit Caldwell for being um, a big-time head coach, each year that Stafford has been with Caldwell as the head coach, he has improved his efficiency. So I'm looking at Stafford doing this, making the the Detroit Lions a contender in the NFC North a contender in the NFC North without a running game without a lot of weapons around them because the only wide receiver of any substance was Golden Tate and that's not saying a lot 
But to be able to put together the season that he had and get that team to competing and having them be viable for making the playoffs, they are a legitimate playoff contender every single year going forward with Matthew Stafford as their signal caller. Every year. And you don't want to pay that guy? I sure could think of a lot worse uh, people who have gotten max money who have yet to prove that they can even uh, be a starter at their position. Mr. Brock Eisweiler. Colin Kaepernick. What do you get? Like, what was it? Um, Contract six years, $114 million. Just because of two... Two good years that he had with Jim Marbaugh as his coach. Where is he now? Byron Maxwell for the for the Miami Dolphins. Six years, $63 million. I mean, there's a lot worse guys who are out there. Miami Dolphins again. And Dominica Sue, six years, $114 million. How many? How much money did he get? Going for it was it had to be at least forty million guaranteed. That's a terrible contract, and you don't want to pay Matt Stafford as if you have any other choices of talent that you can be uh, giving out a whole bunch of money to. Of course, you put you pay Matt Stafford, and as far as the signature game, well, first of all, the the record, as far as the record goes. You're talking about his record on the road. It's hard to win on the road. The majority of of even the great quarterbacks have a difficult time winning on the road. But as far as people saying, oh, well, what is his signature game? How about his rookie year where he went in the last eight seconds of the game threw a winning touchdown with a separated shoulder? To me, I became a Matthew Stafford fan then. Despite any of the stuff that he did uh, the years following, before Caldwell got there, you go in there and you put, you you snap the ball with a separated shoulder and throw a game-winning touchdown pass? Dude, I'm a fan for life for you. But smart people get that. Smart people understood that, or would understand that, yes... Given what Stafford has brought to that franchise, the stability that that franchise has with him as their quarterback, you definitely pay him. You do not want to go into the year with a Kirk Cousins situation on your hands where you're shelling out the money anyway. I mean, that's that's totally ridiculous what's going on in Washington. You've already shelled out over $40 million, and yet you still don't want to commit to him. What sense does that make? All to see him possibly walk next year. And now you have nothing. Nothing to show for it. Except for the fact that, oh no, you do have something to show for it. You've shown your fans that, hey, we're willing to just eat $40 million. Well, over $40 million. Not really put anybody, any the, the weapons around him to be successful. Do you really want the, to be the Detroit Lions looking at that situation? And Stafford has... Just as much talent, more not just as much, again, more talent than the Kirk Cousins. 
So the argument for this being one of the worst contracts that you've ever seen, no, no. Go back and look through NFL history. Go back and look at last year. I'm sure you'll find a, a bunch of contracts that just didn't make any sense. Speaking of people who weren't making any sense, I, I find Aaron Rodgers to be a thoughtful, um, very cerebral person. Chooses his words very carefully. It was interesting listening to him talk about Colin Kaepernick, how he was at least one of the top 60 quarterbacks in the league, which makes perfect sense, and that's, that's a given. But he went on to say that he thought that given his talent, he should be playing in the league. I don't think so. There's plenty of talented guys who are not getting a chance to play in the league because of off-the-field situations, because of personality quirks. Plenty of guys who have the talent. I mean, RG3 has the talent. Bit of a diva, though. That's what he's known for in the NFL locker room. Being a diva, not being prepared. Not really uh, focusing on his craft, improving um, his, his reads. Improving playing in the pocket. Being able to break down a defense. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow had a, a much better record than a lot of the quarterbacks in the league. And Tim Tebow, if you ask me, could still be playing in the league. But do you want that baggage that comes with Tim Tebow? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's what the NFL teams are looking at. Colin Kaepernick, you know, I've heard more from other NFL players than I have from Colin Kaepernick about him wanting to be an NFL quarterback. With all of the social media that's going on, why is it that we have yet to hear Colin Kaepernick like just petitioning for a job? What's with the radio silence? Like nothing, nothing out of Twitter, nothing out of Instagram, nothing. But there's plenty of guys who had the talent. What? What? Jeff George. Jeff George had one of the best arms I'd ever seen play in the NFL. But dude didn't care enough about maintaining his craft, about getting better as a quarterback. I'll even go to the NBA. One of the best two guards that I saw play, talent-wise, as far as being able to hit shots, as far as being extremely athletic, J.R. Ryder. Or not J.R. Ryder, I'm sorry. Isaiah Ryder. Have the talent. Be one of the best shooting guards in the league. I mean, at this time, you weren't looking at Jordan... Kobe wasn't established. There wasn't really any type of bridge player to to bridge um, the end of Jordan's era into, let's say, the Iverson era. There wasn't really that bridge shooting guard that you could look to and say, hey, this is the next guy. Not until Kobe came did you have anything like that. But a lot of people forget about Isaiah Ryder. Isaiah Ryder had the talent. He was a knucklehead off the court. He was a handful of 
playing on the court, but more of a knucklehead off the court. Plenty of talent. People didn't want to employ him. Soon enough, he played his way out of Port, out of um, Minnesota, played his way out of Portland, played his way out of Atlanta, played his way out of the league. You got to know how to play the game. You got to know how to when to talk and when not to talk. Right now, you would be expecting to hear Colin Kaepernick talking about how much he wants to get back into the NFL, how he can't wait to get back to playing. Why is it that I'm hearing more from from GMs, more from from um, head coaches, owners? I haven't heard anything for Colin Kaepernick. If you really wanted to be playing in the league, I, I think you would have something to say. Do a sit-down interview with somebody. But no, no, Aaron Rodgers. Just because he has talent does not mean that he should have a job in the league. What he should be doing is getting out there, getting his his name out there, and, and trying to convince all 32 NFL teams that he can or he is willing to come in and play the part. Come in and compete for for a job, really. I don't understand not hearing from the guy. But I just like to end this talking about Jerry Jones. You know, there's interesting when you are... Finding out information about people, I found out that Jerry Jones was the head of some organization for abused, battered women. So it's it's interesting with this whole whole entire dynamics of this Ezekiel Elliott case and Jerry Jones being so forthright, being adamant, saying that there is there is no evidence here, given the position, given the history that he had in working with that organization. He was the president of that organization for little more than 15 years did not know that so if there's a guy who's passionate about the um or, or getting out the news about the abuse of women the difficulties that women have in abusive relationships jerry jones is a figurehead so i don't think that he's attaching his reputation to a guy who is just going out there beating women and doing, I mean, he, obviously he has some immaturity problems, but I don't think Jerry Jones is going out on a limb representing Ezekiel Elliott with his reputation if he hasn't looked over the evidence and there definitely is no evidence to uh, keep Ezekiel Elliott out six games. But I definitely do see a fight coming here. If this uh, sentence, it's this this um, this time that he's being suspended isn't reduced, maybe even to two games, I definitely see the um, Jerry Jones and the NFL Players Associ- Association uh, taking this up and fighting this in federal court. You don't get Jeffrey Kessler if to make deals. Now that that guy is not, does not make deals. He takes on top organizations. He's beaten the NFL several times. So look out. It's definitely coming. But that's all I got for you guys. I'm going to march myself on in. Get a little sleep. I mean, it's it's late. I was trying to break this news with this whole entire Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving. 
information. But, oh, jeez, second-round draft pick. But thanks again for being in the rotation with me. Thanks for listening in. Remember, check me out on uh, Google, uh, the Google um, Store. Check me out on the sportsrotation.squarespace.com. Again, that's the sportsrotation.squarespace.com. Trying to get more hits to the site, trying to get people more interested. Just trying to get this up off the ground, get this up and moving. And I'd love to hear from you guys, too. I already got a a bunch of um, posts on the site that I want to share with you guys, but I'll share with you guys in the next podcast. Again, thanks for being in the rotation. Have a good one.